Welcome to Sabres Scoop, presented by the Hockey Riders, a once-a-week show covering all things Buffalo Sabres and NHL hockey. We thank you for joining us today, and to make sure you don't miss any future episodes, be sure to subscribe to and like the show on YouTube, follow and share us on Facebook, and catch all the other great hockey content on thehockeywriters.com. And of course, follow us on our Twitter feed at SabresScoopTHW and everything else at the Hockey Rider. Plus, if you guys haven't been following along and you have not heard the news, make sure to head over to MorningSkate.io to sign up for the new morning skate newsletter presented by the hockey writers so you don't miss the latest and weirdest hockey news every single day with that being said jordan take it away we have a very exciting guest today i am excited to dive into some sabers talk i don't know if excited is the right word but please yes so today we have chad didamanicus joining us today the managing editor of SB Nation's Die by the Blade and founder of the website Expected Buffalo. So you can find him on Twitter at CMD Dominicus. So Chad, let's just start this off. Has there ever been a worse time to be a Buffalo Sabres fan? <laughs> uh, I, I, I guess not. See, the only way I'm stuck is because I'm thinking back to the Drury Breer day. It, it's close. Okay. Um, it, it's close for, from being... I was going to say alive, but obviously alive, but I, I guess old enough to remember that um, the tail end of my teenage years to this now. Um, yeah, it, it was, you know, I, I went around saying Monday that Monday was one of the worst days in Sabres history. It was, it was rough, man. It, it was brutal. And, and it really, the only way it could have been worse is if all three of those guys literally said, I want to be traded, but we were only one step above that at that point. Yeah, and you say Monday was the worst day. We got to break it down because there's just so much. And we're going to start with Sam Reinhardt. So John Vogel at The Athletic really wrote a great piece on Reinhardt's frustration. And, you know, as he's 14 months away from unrestricted free agency. And his quote in particular is really telling. It says, you know, it's unfortunate that in this business, you almost need to kind of reset, Reinhardt said. It's just unfortunate for me being here how often that reset is. And, you know, this is coming from the team's leading goal scorer who played at a 37-goal pace over the course of 82 games. And this was without Jack Eichel for the majority of the season. And he noticeably played even better after the Taylor Hall trade. So, chat, what do you make of the Reinhardt situation? And can this be resolved between the player and the team before he hits UFA? Or is a trade ultimately coming here with Sam Reinhardt? So here's the thing with Reinhardt. It's interesting. It's not at the Eichel point. Um, I think this is a situation. All right, let me, let me back it up. So from being around Reinhardt um, after games, well, before this season, when we were allowed to be around players in the locker room, uh, he was never a guy that really loved doing media. Um, you know, and, and he's had some contentious um, – I guess you can call it conversation with a few people in media um, over the last two years. So I think when you account for that part of it, um, when you account for a player who's understandably frustrated with the losing um, as he should be, you know, missing the playoffs again. And then the thing to remember too, um, you know, he's a restricted free agent this year. And I wonder if this kind of goes into it. This is more of a speculation thing, but I remember last time around, he was a picked free agent a couple of years ago. He had the opportunity to play for Canada in the, in the world championships. And he really wanted to do that, but without a contract, you know, players don't do that in case they get injured and it's a whole insurance thing. Um, so the same thing is actually happening here. If he wasn't, if he had a contract, he probably could have played for Canada in the world championships, but he's not going to be able to do that. So I think there's a lot of factors that are kind of adding to the frustration here with Reiner. Now, 
what I think and some things that I've heard is I don't think he really wants to leave. I think he's frustrated the situation. I think he got a little bit overblown um, by the way he acted during the press conference, but that's because I went over um, his general attitude during media. So I actually think that it's very likely, maybe well above 50% likely that he's back next season. Now where this gets catchy, as you mentioned, is he's only one year from an restricted free agency. So if he's not willing to sign long-term this year, uh, the Sabres are pretty much in a position where they have no choice. They have to move him. But if he's been open, if he's open to it, like he has been in the past, then I think they can get that done. And, and then maybe Reinhardt, as we kind of got a 30 game sample um, shifts to your key player here moving forward. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, it was interesting to hear Reinhardt say that because up until this point, um, it really had been the Jack Eichel rumor mill that was sort of the one circulating all season. So it took some people by surprise. But I mean, you look at where the Sabres are, and I saw, you know, on social media, a very good point that said, look, Sam and Jack were supposed to be the prizes for tanking for those down years, and they ended up getting caught up right in it. So Reinhardt for me is going to be, you know, a very interesting player to watch moving forward going into the offseason, the long offseason here. But let's say, let's talk in hypotheticals for a second. Let's say Reinhardt is done in Buffalo, Chad. Let's say he signs a one year deal. He plays his last season with the team next year. What is his value on the trade market? And what contract would be a fair value for the team acquiring him if they chose to sign him? Um, yeah, I think he's – well, it depends. Uh, you know, are you requiring him to play right wing or requiring him to play center? Um, that's part of the conversation now. So I, I think his agent, probably smartly, is going to go into any negotiation with any team that Reinhardt is a center because um, that means you make more money. So, you know, I think it depends on the team. Um, if he goes to Vancouver, where he's from, maybe it costs less, around $7 million dollars. Sounds about right. If he go, if he stays in Buffalo, maybe the price then goes up to seven and a half million dollars, seven point seven million dollars. So I think that kind of varies um, where he goes and the team he goes to. Uh, on the trade market, I think he'd have a lot of value. Um, you know, it's a situation where the team has to decide what they want to do. Do they want to try to get a hockey trade out of that, or are they going to try to get a, P, a trade for more the long term? Um, where you get picks and prospects with Reinhardt. So I think that'd be a situation the team has to determine what they want to do um, with their roster overall. But like I said, I, I still am sitting here today that I, I think it's more likely than not, um, you know, just, just based on hearing what other people are saying and based on some things that I'm hearing. And even if Granado's a coach, Granado really likes Sam Reinhardt. Um, so if Granado's a coach too, I think that even increases the odds. But like I was going to say, I think it's more likely than not that he is on the team next season. Yeah, to me, Sam Reinhardt is a guy you build around, you know, especially whether it's even at center or the wing position. He just really, you know, this, besides that is analytically, he's always been quite a great player as well. And, you know, right. let's just get into it. You know, the fact that this Reinhardt stuff isn't the biggest storyline coming out of Buffalo just speaks to <laughs> volumes. So let's just dive into it. So everybody in hockey has heard about the disconnect between Eichel and the Sabres regarding the potential surgery. So... This would be a cervical disc surgery and it's never been done successfully on an NHL player before, but multiple boxers have actually had the procedure and recovered well. And then, you know, obviously we, we heard the question from Paul Hamilton, 
um, why you can't get the surgery because it's your body, your choice. Why can't you do it? And Eichel responded with, it doesn't work like that, you know? So before we discuss this further, do we believe that Eichel should be getting this surgery? You know, his initial rehab timeline ends on May 30th, as I've heard, and they're hoping to continue with this aggressive rehab. But this has caused a rift between the two sides by the looks of it. So let's start with you, Brandon. Should Jack Eichel be getting this surgery? You know, I think if he wants it and it's, and that opinion of his has been confirmed by at least some doctors, I know it hasn't by the team doctors. I know they disagree with him and that's why we have this issue. Um, But look, if that's what he wants, I I mean, contractually, he's definitely going to be limited, but I think if that's what he wants, I think he should get it. Um, And obviously, you know, it can go a long way just to get a surgery, get to the root of the problem and then go through a bit of a longer process of rehabilitation and get it, you know, working up that area of your body again, than just sort of taking the quick route and going the rehab way. Um, but it, you know, this is so complicated. I don't even know all the details, obviously. Um, you know, maybe at some point we'll learn them all, but I think he should get it. Um, I don't, I don't think that's the way it's going to turn out, but it's, it's just such a complicated situation. What do you think, Chad? I'm I'm sure you have an opinion on this. Yeah, so, you know, from Monday to today, the the situation has evolved. Uh, I I think things have looked a lot more unfavorable in in terms of the Sabre side of this on Monday. Um, Fast forwarding to where we're now recording this on Thursday, I think that has changed because the reason I say that is what has come out here is – this, we know the Sabres doctors are recommending this rehab and then seeing where it goes from there. Well, what has come out, we found out now, is the second opinion Eichel went to get. Those doctors actually agreed with the Sabres that they should rehab this for this period that they're in, and then they'll do more testing and see where they are. Now, I'm assuming Eichel has spoken to other doctors who are telling him different things, but off the top, the second opinion he went to get back a few months ago when this first happened, those doctors agreed with the Sabres. So... It's an interesting thing here where we have two, basically Eichel's first, second opinion. The Sabres doctors are agreeing on the path here, and it appears to be the path that they've agreed on because that's what's actually happening here. Um, I understand from Eichel's perspective him thinking that this will get him back playing, but there's risk there. Um, and I can understand the Sabres are, even if he's traded, I can understand any team being wary of it because you don't know the results and there's not a lot of data on it because it's a new operation. So I can fully understand taking the slow approach on this and doing what they got to do at the end of the day. Sure. It should be the player's decision ultimately, but you know, contractually that's not the way it works. And that's for Eichel. It's really for any player. Um, you know, they're entitled to go at their second opinions according to the CBA. And he went ahead and did that now. Um, both the doctors agreed on the same path. That's the path they're on. Um, and we'll see things where things go at the end of May. But this definitely, in, in the trade conversation, this throws a little bit of a wrench in it because other teams, you know, are, are going to want to review the medical records and see why it goes too. Because there might be teams out there that agree with the Sabres doctors and the second opinion doctor that he shouldn't have surgery. So if he wants it so bad, they might not be willing to acquire him. So this, this whole thing here kind of throws a, a real wrench in, into the trade talk overall. Uh, yeah, Jordan, I'm curious. What are your thoughts on the situation? Do you think that, you know, what, what road do you think he should take? Well, it's not really up to him. What road do you think we're going to go down? 
Yeah, obviously, my opinion's kind of changed a bit somewhat like Chad's has. When it first came out, I obviously supported Jack and what he was trying mm -hmm. to convey. But there's a lot of, you know, I think we're going to learn down the line what the what the right decision should be. I, I kind of look back into what Connor McDavid did two seasons ago, right. obviously completely different injuries, but we know the team, every team in the NHL prefers their players going through aggressive rehab in some sort of way, because, you know, Connor McDavid would have missed like that full, almost the whole season, like two seasons ago, had he not done that crazy aggressive rehab that he did. So mm -hmm. we're, we'll see how this plays out. And I really, I just w wish all the best for Jack, man. You know, like I want to see him playing hockey again. You know, I want him to play as, at his best, you know, because he clearly wasn't this past season and uh, i just want to see everything go right here with the player and hopefully the team yeah yeah i would like to see the best for him too and you know in his own words like he said wherever that may be next season <laughs> so we'll see <laughs> but um i'm gonna pose the same question here and we'll start with chad that we talked about with reinhardt is there a, a, a any possible redemption arc with between jack eichel and the sabers you know is there any way because what is he at five six years remaining on his contract um, you know, is there any way that he stays with the team? It ends well. And, you know, it's all sunshine and rainbows, or is he on his way out at the end of the day? And, you know, if so, which team is he ending up on and at what price we've heard LA, we've heard New York. I prefer if he does not stay on the East, if it comes to that. Um, but yeah, what are we thinking, Chad? Yeah. So I, I think it's two different answers. Um, is the relationship repairable to the point that it can get back to where it was probably not um does that mean he's 100 percent not on the team next year no uh i i think it's possible there's an avenue to it um that he's on the team next season i think while there's going to be teams and there's going to be suitors absolutely for him because of a player of his caliber um I'm kind of curious how the trade market itself looks for him. Um, you know, realistically, Adams isn't up against any wall to move him. Uh, you could say his actual deadline is July 1st, 2022. Uh, that's when Ico's no movement clause kicks in and he gets more leverage because then he can kind of pick where he goes. Uh, so really, Adams has the draft this year, the offseason, the trade deadline, and then the draft next year. Uh, before that no, no movement clause kicks in. So there's time here. Um, there's an argument that could be made that you hold on to Jack, you let him rebuild his value, you let him show the league that his neck is fine, and then that can increase his value in the next offseason if you want to move him. But I think it's where things have gone that it's more likely than not, which is kind of the reverse of what we, I said about Reinhardt. I think it's more likely than not that he is moved. Um, but where is interesting. Um, you know, we're talking about a $10 million player here. So especially in a flat cap world where teams are still kind of trying to rebound, not having fans in the building last year, not a lot of money. Um, find there's not a lot of teams that can go ahead and take on uh, that salary cap and pay that money. So, you know, that kind of limits the field as it is. So, you know, we've heard Los Angeles, Anaheim, Minnesota, the Rangers. I'm sure the Bruins would like to be involved. I, I can't see any way in the world the Sabres are trading him to the Bruins. Um, or I still think even the Rangers, for that matter, I think makes it tricky because of how they don't want to keep him in the East. You don't want to play Eichel four times a year for the next five, six, seven, how many ever years he's there. So um, I don't think they want that rubbed in their face four times a year. So. Um, I could see to the Western Conference making sense. Calgary is another team that I thought about. Um, 
you know, that, that could make some sense too. So, you know, we'll see where it goes. Um, I, I think the good thing for the Sabres and maybe until it goes now that all these interviews are over, uh, it's going to calm down here. Um, maybe this kind of moves to the back pages a little bit here while the playoffs start. And we don't really hear a lot about the Eichel stuff. Um, and then we'll see what happens. We'll see over the next two months um, if some relationships are repaired, exactly what happens if you get surgery or not. Um, and then we pick this back up in July, a little bit different this year where the draft and free agency actually happens at the end of July this year. Um, it's a little bit of a longer window here to kind of maybe try to repair some things and see where we are in about a month and a half, two months. Yeah, totally. And guys, we still aren't done. Now we got to get into Rasmus Ristolainen. And this is what he had to say <laughs> during the Monday's press conference. So he said the way the younger guys played, it gives him confidence for the future. But for him, he can't wait multiple years. He has to be in the playoffs next year, whether it's here or somewhere else. And he is prepared to be tra- traded by the sounds of it. I'm pretty sure he's been prepared to be traded for like the last three or four seasons. You know, he had one of his career worst offensive years last season, expected goals, especially only at a 43% and 5v5. Not that he's ever been particularly that great in that metric or various metrics. But let's start with you, Chad. What's going on here for Asmus Bristolina? Are they finally just going to cut the bandaid off and, you know, give this player a fresh start elsewhere? Look, I mean, I think I feel like I've been the trade wrist line and leader um, among the Buffalo people for a while, for a couple of years now, um, you know, and, and it's tough because you kind of understand that he's been played over his head here. Um, you know, he's not a top pair defenseman and they keep shoving him into that role uh, until interestingly enough, Garado took over and he gave those minutes to Darlene. He was the first coach that actually decided he wasn't going to play wrist line in 20 minutes a night. Um, so that's, you know, another marker in his cap for me, but, yeah, I think it's it's not only, you know, about his on-ice play anymore. It's it's about his contract. Uh, he's got one year left. That man is not re-signing a contract in Buffalo. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's just time. Um, move on. Let him get a fresh start. Let the organization get a fresh start. Uh, and, and as you said, this guy has been ready to move for like three years now. It, it's wild that he's still here when he's been so open and, and, and not even, like, beat around the bush. He's just blatantly said he's been open to being dealt for three years now, if not even longer. So, yeah, I think this is the year it finally happens. I, I think, you know, again, for the player and the organization, I think it's the best thing for both sides. Um, what the return's going to be will be interesting because um, I don't think his value is anywhere near it was a few years ago when they could have made a deal. So, you know, we'll see, but, you know, I'm of the belief that I, I think just getting, even if you just get cap space back, basically, um, as the return, I'm fine with that. It's kind of an, an addition by subtraction for me. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Mr. Lane is interesting. Be- Go ahead, Just Jordan. because, sorry, Brandon, not to cut you no, off. No, there, right, but because a guy like Sam, Be- a guy like Sam Bennett on Calgary, you know, was you know he had that weird kind of perception. Because I think Ristolainen, among some NHL GMs, actually, they probably think he's a top four defender. And Sam Bennett's an interesting guy because obviously he's played very well in Florida. But like a lot of people thought they overpaid to acquire him because it seemed like he was putting up fourth line numbers and he was traded for a second round pick plus a decent prospect there, I believe. So I, th- I think someone is going to overpay for Rasmus Ristolainen, in my opinion. Like I, I, I just see it even though the caps is going to be an issue, obviously you go Brandon. 
No, hey, you pretty much said what I was going to say. You hit the nail on the head there because I was going to say, well, in my mind, Brandon Montour fetched a third from Florida. And, and are we thinking, well, is Florida just overpaying for players? Or No, I don't think so. I mean, Brandon Montour is fitting quite nicely there. And, you know, on a team um, like where he's playing the role that he should be playing. And um, I think if Ristolainen goes somewhere and he's like the number four guy, I think he'll fit in really well and it'll help complement a team that is already strong on the back end. It's just, it's just not going to be with the Sabres. Um, so I think we're all in pretty much in agreement there. Uh, and with that being said, let's reset the show here quickly. Uh, you are watching Sabres Scoop presented by the Hockey Riders. Make sure to subscribe to and like the show on YouTube, follow and share on Facebook, and catch all of our great content at thehockeywriters.com and on our, on our Twitter feed at SabresScoopTHW. We're going to continue with some of the exit interviews and here's, we got some positive ones, but also some, you know, younger players, guys who haven't been established as the core quite yet. And we're going to talk Casey Middlestat and Dylan Cousins. And these are two guys who really played themselves into favor, especially Casey for the way that um, he, he just never seemed to be able to break into the NHL fully. And I think he did that this season. I think with his heightened role, he really did. It really impressed me at least 41 games played. 10 goals, 12 assists, 22 points, a lot of that in the latter half of the season. Um, uh, let, so let's talk about Middlestat. He said it was sad to hear Eichel's comments and that he has enjoyed past tense playing with him and Sam Reinhardt uh, for the time that he has. So um, what do we think about Casey Middlestat? Is he somebody who can slip into a higher you know, profile role and really drive a line on his own? Let's go to Chad first. Uh, I guess before I answer that, I'll, I'll flip back to you. Give me what a higher profile role is for metal stat. Um, let's say, well, so initially when I had thought about middle stats role next season, I assumed we would have Sam Reinhardt as center. So I got to reevaluate that on my own, actually. Um, let's say a middle six role where he produces quite nicely, kind of like he did this season. Do you think he can play at uh, the pace that he did this season, possibly a little bit higher? Yeah, I, I think Middlestat is kind of one of the better stories of this season. Um, you know, that's a guy I wasn't particularly high on myself going into this season. I, I didn't think he could be a center at the initial level. Um, I thought he was better off as a middle six or a third line winger, which was actually working. Um, playing that role for a while, and under Granado, he got flipped back to center, um, and that has worked out for him. Now, the thing that's interesting with that is I've had, as a numbers guy, I've had of an internal debate with myself how much of that line having success um, is based upon middle stat or based upon what Asplund has done at both ends of the ice. I think they both played very well, and I think Asplund has complimented um, middle stat well, and I think it's helped him defensively, um, you know, be a better player, I guess you could say, because he's taking more of that responsibility and he's just a better defensive player. And at the same time, at the other end, offensively, you know, Asplund's one of the few guys in this team that goes to the net, you know, and um, scores goals and, and plays hard. So, um, I don't know. I, I think, I, I think he can definitely in my mind, be a third line center. Um, anything above that, I think it gets a little, it gets a little interesting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. And in my opinion, honestly, I think on a Stanley cup contender, yeah, he's probably a third line center or maybe he can go into a wing position if thrust upon, but 
it is kind of interesting. You know, he only had a 46 expected goals percentage at 5v5. You know, so the play driving numbers kind of indicate that maybe he, he still needs to develop a little bit. I know we're going to get into Dylan Cousins, who always didn't really necessarily have great numbers himself. You know, so we'll have to see how they continue to develop. But I mean, playing at a 20 goal pace over an 82 game season at 45 points, you know, is is encouraging. You know, from a guy like everybody thought this guy was going to be a Calder nominee, slam dunk. And it just hasn't worked out that way. But the redemption arc is probably really only like one of two or three bright spots of this entire season. So it was nice to see you, if, if I'm just saying myself. But let's move on here to Dylan Cousins, you know. And he says he wants to be more of a leader next season. That's that's pretty crazy. I mean, he's already fighting, guys. So he's already yeah. kind of taken on that leadership role. And he looks forward to staying here and filling a bigger role. I'm glad they're not trading Dylan Cousins. I'm glad there's no trade rumors surrounding him yet. I'll have to wait five years, though. I'm sure that's Yeah, coming. right. right. <laughs> so in 41 games, yeah, he had four goals, uh, 13 points, 43% uh, percent expected goals for at 5v5. So that's Maybe a little cause for concerns, but obviously that's only one metric. I'm curious, Chad, we, I know you're a numbers guy. I've seen a bunch of the charts that you've made, manually tracked yourself. What was your impression of Dylan Cousins this rookie season? And what do you think of the comments made by him at Monday's press conference? Yeah, I like Cousins a lot. Um, you know, I think he had a strong rookie year overall. Um, I think maybe the last 10 games or so, he hit that rookie wall, which happens. Um, we saw it happen with Darlene. We even saw it happen with Eichel. Um, you know, he saw it happen with McDavid his rookie season. You know, you just kind of hit that wall, especially in the season this year, uh, you know, where the games are so compact and you're literally playing every single night. And don't forget, this is also a guy who came right out of the world juniors into training camp, into the season, and then COVID, and then into the season again and playing every other night. So, you know, they talked about him playing, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 40 games. Um, I think he might have been around there with the injuries, but. I think, you know, they would have liked to give him more nights off, but at the end of the season, you really couldn't do that when all the injuries mounted. Um, and then we saw the, you know, repercussions of that a little bit of the wall and the kind of production stop. But under Granado, you know, he got played um, difficult matchups. You know, he was lined up against Sidney Crosby. He was lined up against Sean Couturier, um, Patrice Bergeron some nights. And, you know, he, most nights you don't expect a 20-year-old kid um, to win those matchups, but he held his own. Uh, for the most part. So I think it's encouraging. Um, you know, he's been a leader at all levels from juniors to um, being a leader for Canada during the world juniors um, when they won silver losing to the U S in the gold medal game. Uh, and then, but yeah, we saw the fights you know, except for teammates. Now me, uh, you know, personally, I don't want him doing that much because I don't want him sitting in the box for five minutes or breaking you know, his hand in a fight. Um, that's why I think you have other players that can do that, but yeah, I mean, he's going to step up. He'll do that from time to time. Um, I think it's a situation where you say, okay, step up for your teammates and get wrestling matches, but let's not drop the gloves. Uh, maybe that's just a conversation you have down the road with him. When he becomes more of a marquee player and you want him on the ice, not sitting in the penalty box for five minutes plus, you know, if there's no whistle. So, um, yeah, I'm encouraged by Cousins. I think fans should be. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does in a full 82-game season next year. Uh, it'll also be interesting to see where they play him. Are they gonna, actually going to play him at center or are they going to keep him on the wing? And I guess that kind of depends um, probably if Ike goes back, if Reinhardt's back, if it's just Reinhardt back and, you know, who else they have too. So, um, but yeah, overall, I'm, I'm very encouraged by Cousins. Do you have any last thoughts, Brandon, on Dylan Cousins? Yeah, you know, I'm happy that it seems like he wants to be here for the time being because I really did enjoy him 
enjoy watching him as a rookie. Uh, you know, I'd echo what Chad said, and I wouldn't like him to fight so much in the future. I know it was only twice, I believe, but, you know, still. It, I mean, it was really cool to see him step up like that, for sure. Don't get me wrong. Um, and, you know, he had his offensive flair moments. But, um, you know, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to watching him. That's pretty much it. And just before we get into the Kevin Adams stuff, I'm just curious, uh, Chad, you know, I'm kind of like R2 Retzelainen's the number one fanboy. I actually just won his jersey <laughs> I have behind me. I might be the only guy that has it, his jersey. Hopefully not. I hope it ages gracefully, too. I'm just curious what your thoughts of him this season were in Rochester and, and Buffalo. Yeah, he's a, he's an interesting player. Um, you know, before he came over to Rochester, he was leading Liga in scoring. I remember with like, before we got called up to the Sabres, I just kind of peaked at, at Liga's points um, and goals. And he's been, he was gone for like three or four months at that point, And he was still third in the league in scoring. So it's kind of wild, like how well he played over there. And then he kind of, he carried that over into Rochester in the AHL. Uh, took a little bit of time, but then the puck started going in the net. And, um, you know, for the manual tracking I was doing there, you know, he was a player that drove play with his transition game. He was one of their higher, um, possession players. He was one of their better high danger players. Um, you know, and he's one of their better uh, primary shot contribution players. So, you know, all of his underlying micro stats were really impressive in AHL. And then he got his chance in the NHL. And again, just the scoring came. Um, you know, his, his shooting percentage was high. Uh, and yeah, I, I think he's an impressive player. I, I think ideally, um, he's probably a middle six winger for you. Um, I, I think it where he works good with Cousins uh, as a finisher on that line when Cousins does most of the probably his the work in the transition game. So I think that's a good match there. Um, I like Bjork on that line too. Uh, he's another player that I don't know if you mentioned to bring up, but quickly to throw that in there, I think he's like he fit in pretty well since that trade. And you know, he's a guy that one of the reasons I like they got him is he could play up and on the lineup. So I think that's working well. Um, and I like that line with Bjork, Cousins, and Roos Delaney. And so. Yeah, I, I think he's an interesting guy going forward. I think he'll have a roster spot next season. Um, he's a guy, too, that he didn't get a lot of minutes, but he's a, power, he's a power play guy, too. He sits in that Victor Olsen spot, and, you know, he did it in Rochester, did it in Liga, um, and if maybe he'll get some power play two minutes in the NHL next season because um, he also has a lethal shot from that point. So, um, yeah, he's, he's an intriguing player, and we'll kind of see again. We'll see where it goes over a full 82-game season. Yeah, totally. And, you know, Monday's press conferences ha had its high and lows, but I can only imagine the pressure that general manager Kevin Adams was feeling heading into his press conference on Wednesday. That was yesterday. And this was his uh, exit press conference uh, main point that was uh, said, you know, so he said he wants players who want to be here and play here. So I'm just curious, Chad, we'll start with you. Do you believe that this inexperienced GM can build this team into a playoff contender over the next few years, you know, with all the factors involved? You know, obviously they're short sc scouting, even though they're slowly starting to hire. Maybe maybe it'll be up to, you know, normal NHL teams doing it soon. You know, obviously the Pagulas are a huge factor there. There's so much. I feel so bad for the guy. And of course, there's no president of hockey ops. Chad, do you think he can really do this? Uh. Man, you know, I, I sit here in a position now where I give this team no benefit of the doubt. Um, I, I'm very firm in the position that I'll believe it when I see it. Um, you know, we saw Murray come through here. We saw Botterill, who I was in favor of that hiring, and that didn't go well either. Uh, Murray had his highs and lows, and, you know, now Kevin Adams is in here. Um, you know, I'll give Adams credit. I think he's made a couple – 
good moves here and there. Uh, it's hard to assess his first offseason, which was last year, um, because that was mainly driven by Ralph Kruger. So on, on one hand, you kind of want to give him a pass, but on the other, you really can't give him a complete pass because he was the general manager after all. Um, but that was more of him going out and, and taking Ralph Kruger's shopping list and getting what he can off of it. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I don't envy him. Um, you know, for a guy with as little experience as he has in that job, um, you know, to kind of go full circle here, uh, if he moves Eichel, he's going to be the guy facilitating one of the biggest trades in the NHL in years. Um, and a lot of eyes are going to be on him. Uh, the Taylor Hall trade didn't go as well as he maybe he thought it would. And that's not completely on him. Um, Hall had that no move clause and he exercised that option to kind of really force a trade to Boston when I think it was Vegas who had um, a better offer there. So yeah, it's kind of a loaded question. You know, I, I, I like Kevin Adams. Um, I honestly thought maybe the press conference on Wednesday was of all the media things he's done, maybe his worst performance. Um, I think his tone kind of changed, which is not what I expected by that. I mean, he kind of played more of the oldies hits, like you said, want to be here. Um, you know, we just need guys in here. We had the talent. We just needed guys who would buy in. And that's kind of like eye rolling. Like, you know, he didn't really have the talent either, though. Um, so I kind of came away a little disappointed. Um, I'm not surprised by what he said, but it, it kind of was a little bit of a tone change from how we talked previously. Uh, but overall, I like Adam. So I hope it works out. But my confidence level that it will um, it is low until – you know, I guess it's proven otherwise that he, he is up to it and can make, make capable moves, um, you know, to to get this team going in the right direction. Again, he's a big draft coming up, too, so he's going to pick in the top three. Um, I, I personally think they made the wrong choice last year in the draft. I'm going with Quinn over Lundell and, and Rossi, so you know, we'll see how the, how the draft goes this year and, and, and free agency and you know, the big Eichel trade, too, if that does go down. Yeah, yeah, you're certainly not alone with last year's draft picking Quinn over some other players. Um, and also, yeah, and I would agree with you that the, this press conference was a little bit disappointing. You know, I, I'm, you know, hearkening back to the press conference um, when they were on that, you know, entering the long losing streak and Kruger was still the coach. And I came away from that saying, oh, I really like what Kevin Adams said there. You know, let's see if yeah. it manifests. Obviously it didn't, but I really liked his, you know, his language and his, uh, you know, everything from body language to actual words that he said. And I was like, oh, that was pretty good. But this time around, I don't know. It is a tough situation. I mean, what is he going to say that makes us happy? Not right. a lot, but, you know, you would have liked to see some, you know, yeah, it just didn't feel great. Um, Jordan, did you have any parting uh, thoughts on that before we move on? Yeah, you know, I just wonder if this guy really can do it, you know, like, I know, like, I didn't agree with his draft last year, as Chad said, you know, Marco Rossi is a guy who's now, by the way, finally getting to play again, so that's nice, so he'll be full ready to go for next season, but um, I don't know, I'm just wondering with Kevin Adams, you know, like, until they get a guy that can really help him out in a president in the hockey operations role, whoever that be, there just needs to be more experience in that front office, you know, like, he can't be doing everything every day. You know, like it's just going to it's not going to work out over the long term. But I I do have some confidence that he can't come out of this, you know, because I do think his player evaluation maybe for NHL players isn't. I do think he can make some right moves, you know, but I do think there are a lot of flaws in his resume. And we're obviously going to have to see over the long term if that continues, if he can improve his mistakes. 
and see if you can make a playoff team happen in Buffalo because it's looking like we're heading towards another rebuild here. Hermanos is a good start to help him. Yes. You're right. Yeah, he, he, is, needs yeah, yeah. he needs more. He needs more. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, well, like you said, let's hope we can build a playoff team here um sooner than later um but you know while we're on the outside looking in we're looking in again for the 10th straight season um there are 16 teams competing for lord stanley this season again um and we'll wrap up with a little general nhl segment here and we'll, we'll talk about the playoffs so it's pretty much all but set all 16 playoff teams have clinched most all series are close to being set um there's just a couple of more games to wrap up um you know because of postponements and whatnot but let's 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 just run through it. Which series are we looking forward to the most? We have Toronto, Montreal, a nice original 6-0 Canadian matchup. Florida and Tampa, that's going to be a great cross-state rivalry. A lot of people have been waiting for that one. We have Isles Pens, that's a rematch from a few years back. Preds, Canes, Bruins, Caps. Uh, let's go to Jordan first here. What are you looking forward to? I, I'm just going to stop and say, based on what's on your wall, I think I know what that might be, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> Well, obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm a diehard Leafs fan. It's hard for me not to cheer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't think I don't ever like it though when people try to assume the Toronto Maple Leafs will sweep a series. So I have no hope, and I think hopefully five. I'm, I'm assuming the Leafs win this series in five games. You know, we'll have to see what Carey Price shows up because you know everybody always loves to make that argument, but the Leafs are winning this. I, I think the tr- Florida Tampa series though will probably be the best one. You know, there were 136 penalty minutes, I believe in their second last game of their like series during the regular season. So, you know, if all of these guys overperforming most likely on Florida and Tampa Bay getting Nikita Kucherov back, you know, because he magically is, he's ready to go for the playoffs. <laughs> you know, he's magically ready. You know, they got the magic potions out there in Tampa. <laughs> this is going to be the, that's my pick for the best series of the first run. What do you think, Chad? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to kind of echo you guys. I think Florida, um, Tampa is going to be interesting. Um, Minnesota is an interesting team that I'm kind of curious to see how far they can go. I've liked watching them with Capri's off. Um, mm-hmm. So that'll be fun. You know, I always, for some reason, always seem to gravitate to Carolina, maybe because they're a numbers team. Um, so I, I'd kind of like to see them, you know, see how far they can go this year with a good team put together. And they actually have some goal time in their game this year. So that's kind of the one that's held them back. Um and then, yeah, that Toronto-Montreal series is going to be interesting because I still think Toronto probably wins it. But, man, I think it's going to be tougher than people think with Montreal. Um, you know, they're a team last year that I think goaltending held them back. And then when they got into that playing tournament, um, you know, they won that first round, um, shockingly, in an upset. And then, you know, they, they gave the team, you know, a run in, in, in the actual playoffs in the first round. So, I, I think it does – come back to how price performs. Um, if price becomes the price that people think he is as in a good goaltender, I think Toronto could be in trouble. Um, and that's for any series you'd have a goaltender, but you know, I think in other areas that I think Montreal can, can line up pretty nicely. Um, if they can get Suzuki and Kakaniemi um, and, and Dano um, to kind of line up against, the other team, the other, you know, top lines that the Leafs have. So that's going to be an interesting series. Um, you know, Toronto really has to get over that home. Um, I, I can't, you know, as a Leafs fan for you, I really can't imagine what it will be like if they, they fall flat again. Oh um, yeah, it, it's going to be a hard look in the mirror. Um, I'm not going to say they're going to start shipping players out, but I mean, what it will be four years in a row losing in the first round when you've had expectations to go farther. So, um, just for that 
aspect alone, um, I'll definitely have some eyeballs on that Leafs and Canadian series. I wonder what would be considered more of a disaster, this whole Buffalo Sabres situation or what you just uh, presented with us with the Leafs losing in the first round totally. I'm just curious, uh, Brandon, what are your takes for best first-round matchups? Yeah, you know, I'll stay up in the Great White North, but I'll go with the Edmonton-Winnipeg series because I'm expecting – look, Connor McDavid has been on a tear. I'm expecting him to play angry. You know, he's much like Jack Eichel in that he hasn't played much meaningful hockey in his career to this point. Um, you know, he, he's like, he's been in the playoffs before, but not very long. And so to see him and dry tear it up in the playoffs against one of the best goaltenders in the, in the, in the world right now, and Connor Hellebuck. Um, and then you still have a bunch of guys on Winnipeg, like, you know, the, your Shifley's your wheelers, all those guys trying to, you know, Edmonton and Winnipeg are both teams that they're not being talked about enough. I don't think even with Connor McDavid's unreal run this year. So I think that's going to be a high flying, hard hitting series. And I'm really excited for that. Yeah, totally, guys. And with that in mind, it's time for us to wrap up the show. So we thank you for joining us. And this has been Saber Scoop, presented by the Hockey Raiders. Make sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube, follow and share the show on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at SaberScoopTHW. And thank you again, Chad, for joining the show to talk some Sabres hockey. And once again, you can find him on Twitter at CMDDominicus. And once again, make sure you head over to morningskate.io to sign up for our daily morning newsletter that has just launched. So you don't miss out on the latest and weirdest hockey news every day. So don't miss out on all the great hockey content as well at thehockeywriters.com. For Brandon and Chad, this is Jordan, and this has been Sabres Scoop. Until next time.